Hello everyone and welcome once again to Horrific Chats. In this segment we talk with independent writers and creators to learn a little bit more about them and discuss their journey into horror. Tonight we are joined by Chad Miller, an author of Paranormal Thrillers who's been writing for over 25 years. Welcome Chad, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you doing? I'm grand and we're going to be featuring one of your stories uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, Prisoner of Fear, so looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Make sure everyone... Uh, Keeps up to date with the YouTube channel and uh, be ready for that when it drops. Really exciting. So, uh, welcome, welcome. How's life treating you so far? Uh, life is good so far. Lots of uh, exciting things uh, on the plate. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to everything coming out and uh, we'll see how it goes. It's either feast or famine, isn't it? You've either, you're in the middle of production and then everything kind of all comes together and then you're, you're going like crazy. Yeah, um, this is the uh, the first time I'm on a deadline before writing. You know, I had all the time in the world, and um, now I'm on a deadline, so it's a interesting uh, part for me. So, nice. Right, so is this through your publisher? Through my publisher, yeah. Okay. So uh, I have something new after Prisoner of Fear. Um, I have uh, its follow-up coming out, which is written pretty much, and then I'm working on a new project after that. All right, cool. So give us a wee bit of background, because in this, I like to talk about um, both... Uh, sort of self-publishing and people who are through publishers and the differences. This isn't an either or, you know, I mean, it's to give people a bit of uh, insight into behind the scenes and the mechanism. So if anyone's thinking about writing or doesn't understand how the whole world works, they know the sort of options and what's entailed. So when you get picked up by the publisher, is this, uh, you've been with these guys for a long time? Or is uh, this a... No, I signed with them uh, right around Thanksgiving. Um... Nice around about November long, last year. Not a long time. And yeah, this is the first project that I'm doing with them. So, all right, cool. really... so how'd that all come about? Uh, just online. Um, when beginning the process, uh, this is the first novel that I really pushed. Uh, so my first thought is you go through an agent, you get a publisher, you get it out there. And after multiple months, searches, it was coming up dry. I was getting all, you know, form letter rejections or being ignored by agents. And uh, self-publishing was uh, looking like an option for me, but I still continued my search. And I found an indie publisher and I submitted directly to them without an agent. They liked the book, they picked it up and uh, the rest is history. All right, excellent. So how did that conversation first happen? Because people, uh, people kind of got their head, you know, the big six, the main publishing houses, and they think that the only option there is go over one of those and then hopefully get your book on bookshelves, which, uh, as I've talked about any time, this isn't reality anymore. Bookshops are kind of by the wayside, and uh, particularly the horror, horror genre is very niche. Most mainstream uh, outlets that sell books don't want horror. So the world's kind of changed in terms of publishing. So how does the conversation go with the publisher? What is it? What are the advantages of being picked up by an indie publisher? What is it they offer you? And then what is it? You've already mentioned deadlines. So what's kind of the return in terms of contract? Without getting into you know, any personal details, can you give us a wee bit of an insight how that all sort of comes together? For me, um, going the, the one drawback for me for self-publishing uh, is that I'm not a marketer. Um, I, I believe in my content because um, there's a lot of content out there, especially on Amazon. And a lot of it is garbage. So I, I do believe in my content. Um, but the second half of it, after putting out good content, is marketing your book. And I know nothing of that. Uh, 
so I would have to learn that whole process on my own, which I'm, which I am doing. Uh, during There's this, a lot this, to take in. Uh, a whole lot. I was at a seminar now, two weeks ago. What, what's that? I was at a seminar two weeks ago about yeah. uh, using social media and publishing. And still, you're only tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and there's a lot out there, and you don't know what information is good, uh, where to focus your time, energy, and money. So when going through a publisher, and this is an indie publisher, so that they don't have a huge reach, uh, they, they handle that end of it for me. Um, not that I'm out of the woods at that. I do do my own part and learn, learning that landscape as well on my own to help push the book. Uh, but they do a lot of the marketing, the research, the cover design, the distribution, um, so I could be more focused on the creative aspect of it. So for me, it's a no-brainer. Uh, I'm not getting any um, upfront uh, money, so that they're not giving me a stipend in the beginnings. But I am getting you know royalties, of course. Uh, but for me, it's but uh, similar to self-publishing. It's based on your sales, so true. It's entirely I mean, up to it, your product. How well you do. If I was truly self-publishing, I would get more of the revenue um, mm -hmm. through the sales. So I'm giving up some of that for them, at least to get push my name out there. So I'm not expecting to make a huge return on the first one. Um, I'm just hoping more for name, name recognition. At this point. So this is more of a long-term game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I know like myself and people have talked to in terms of self-publishing. If you want to like test the waters, get something out there, fantastic. If you're truly serious about making this a career... You and eventually want to look at the publishing route. Would I be correct in saying that? I mean, you can do it self-publishing, absolutely. Oh yeah, be... like I said, this is Sorry. not about one or the other. I'm not about that. Right. You know, right. it's about having the conversation. Kind of look at this as a hybrid. Uh, I am having that support with the publisher, but I'm doing things on my own to get my name out there prior to the release. You know, I created my own website, had my own authors page. Uh, Programs like this is, are, are helping. I'm also getting a lot of short stories published out there, um, either in anthology novels that are on the market right now, or in on uh, a variety of online magazines. So hopefully, get my name out there, and all everything coming together. Hopefully, uh, you know, works out in the end. Because in the end of the day, it's not for me. It's not about money. Um, I love writing. Mm -hmm. It's a passion of mine, and uh, you know, I can write stories for myself all day long, and I, and I will. Uh, but you know, I also want to share it, and I want people to read it. Well, that's it, because um, you've been at this game for 25 years. That's a, that's a real yeah. large chunk of time to dedicate to something. Um, how have you seen the landscape change uh, from when you started? Was writing just a hobby? Did you see like, a barrier to getting yourself published? Did it get better? Has it got worse? Like you've mentioned the glut in the market and just basically anything can get thrown out there. So the quality's not always assured. How have you seen the change in landscape from the time you started writing to now? For me personally, the landscape, when I first started out, um, I was inspired by my friend. Uh, I, wasn't, I was a reader, uh, wasn't a writer at all. And my friend uh, wrote a short story, and it, it, my friend DK, and it just blew me away. Um, it was a very Kerouac, uh, like Jack Kerouac type story, not, not a genre that I write in. But it blew me away, and it inspired me, like, if he could write... A story as 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 great as that maybe i can too and my first story when i wrote it i was all ego uh looking back on it now 25 years later it was 
It's horrible. So, I mean, it's a craft that you have to learn. So it's not like you pick up like a guitar behind me. You don't pick up from day one and become Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Um, takes but that's to, the journey of an artist as well. When you review your older material, you're kind of like, Ugh, what was I thinking? You know, I mean, that's all, that's always progression. You know, you're always your worst critic. If you're self-aware, that's people who maybe aren't self-aware are always the dangerous ones. Right. And as an as industry, when I first started out, it's it pretty much, I mean, I don't even know if Amazon was a thing 25 years ago, at least not the way it is now. So was, you had to almost always have to go through an agent um, and then through a publisher, um, 100%. Now it's self-publishing is almost the way to go, uh, especially for a new rate. For a new writer if you don't have material out there it's almost impossible maybe even disadvantageous for you to go the, the traditional route because you don't know if you're going to get the support that you need and deserve um, that you can give to yourself uh, there's so many options for amazon and and for the self-publishing route uh, so much there so many tools you, that a writer can utilize but uh, it requires a lot other than having good content it takes you know, it's like a full-time job almost. Oh yeah. And for those like me who have a full-time job on their own and you know, kids and it's a lot to, to juggle. So. And then that's where it's easy to lose the passion. If you get too bogged down and the, like, I know even for this, a lot of time spent in admin for the sake of an hour on the screen, the amount of back and forth and everything in between that it takes to get you there. Um, you, ha you can't discount that. What you have to be careful obviously is not to kill your passion. Cause if you kill your passion, then you won't have a, even a product anymore. You'll just get burnt out. So right. it's it's always a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. For example, like I, like I said, I have my own website, and uh, I had it professionally done like a week ago, and I was tweaking it a little bit, and it spent like an hour last night working on something, and it was just like to get this like little button in one spot. And, like it's a flipping rabbit hole, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I could have been I could have written like you know a flash fiction in that hour, or you know wrote you know a part of a chapter. I was wasting my time on this. You know, a little button so i mean stuff like that does draw you away and like you said you don't want to lose passion at the grand scheme of things of getting the story out on you know details like that but i think as well as a modern author as a writer or any sort of creator you can't discount this side of things you have to be on board with the whole package now nobody's saying you have to be a multi uh social media expert or a marketer but you have to at least have an understanding because you at the end you're responsible for boosting your own content at least to get some people to take notice if uh if it's not even building up a friends network people are prepared to even leave you a review of you know in the real world but you can't discount this aspect of things um oh of course yeah i think a, a big misconception is okay i wrote this story or this novel it's brilliant it's my masterpiece i'm gonna put it on amazon and boom i'm gonna be the next Stephen king <laughs> And it's, I mean, not that it can happen, it's not good, but you know, it's not likely. Um, it's not, you know, you can't hope for a miracle. Um, you have to take charge and take the reins sometime and uh, do the research, uh, develop your brand, develop your platform. And then, you know, hopefully with some kind of an audience, they'll snowball, um, start little and keep on rolling and develop uh, a bigger and bigger uh, uh, voice. How do you try and make the, process more enjoyable like for this we're having a conversation a chat for me it's a chance to get to meet new people get new ideas so I try and have fun with it because if this was a job you know and you were just doing it like that stale you'd get burnt out very quickly how do you make the process for yourself that it's not a painful it's not a chore do you try and build that in to your 
your whole experience as an author or are you still trying to figure that out uh no i try to build it in um because if it becomes a job uh i think i'll lose my passion in it so uh, to me it's more it's not a hobby it's not a job it's a passion uh, so the the process of, of telling the story that that's what drives me. So, you know, every day I I might not be actively writing um, on on the computer, but I'm thinking about it constantly in, in the quiet times. You know, when the kids are at school, or you know, I'm in the bathroom or in the mm-hmm. shower, driving to work. Uh, the story is, is is constantly in my head. And then once I get it down on paper, you know, the first time can be garbage, uh, and you kind of hone it, kind of like a you know a knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hone the steel, you get the you get the blade sharp. Uh, so once that's out there, uh, you know you want to push it. Uh, you get the business side of it, um, which, like you said, you don't want to get bogged down in that. Uh, but it's still a, a important part of the process. Uh, so d- seeing results, I'm a result or, or in, oriented guy. Uh, so like on the website, if I see you know a couple more hits uh, or more viewers, you know that kind of you know drives me and. I get zero for the day, you know, I just write. And so I'm a writer in the end. Yep. Do you maybe try and use that to give yourself a bit of a break? When you've got an idea, you've put it down. By getting into the sort of the marketing phase, that means you're not trying to turn the wheels too quickly. So you've got your story, you've put it out, you've invested so much time. Is it maybe an idea to use the marketing aspect as the break till the next idea starts forming in your head? Or you, you formulate it rather than just trying to write all the time? Because... I think there's just maybe expectation as an author that you must be writing 24-7 and if you're not writing you're thinking about ideas and people just have that expectation I think as well as a reader that that's what authors that's all they do yeah I'm not I mean I can't sit at a computer and write for four hours I mean I'll get burned out too quick and and the content will suffer uh when I sit down and actively write like you know uh, finger to screen or finger to keyboard uh, it's probably maybe an hour at most at it sitting um, I could do a couple hours a day but in an hour of sitting and then I got to step away and take a, take a break whether it's you know doing the marketing side of that or doing something else yeah I had to get my mind out of it um, because uh, it just gets too much uh, yeah so you refresh uh, there's an old saying a change is as good as a rest true so um, yeah, I, you change your focus Go to something else, but yeah, yeah. Do something else and have your your brain go in a different direction. Change gears and because uh, it brings a muscle, like anything else. If you use it too much, it's going to get burnt out. And um, yeah, the uh, it's, you're not going to get good quality out of it. So yeah, you have to take breaks for me at least. It's good at least you you know it's good to have that sort of vision, but it's good for people to know as well because um, I think people do get overwhelmed by this whole sphere maybe that's why they don't start and one of the reasons for this is i want more creators out there not less because we've kind of seen the decline in media when it's just a few small groups of people in charge of everything and then it just becomes a factory we've seen it in movies Hmm? i mean that's the world it is now i mean in my uh uh, industry where i work outside of writing i work in pharmacy and Mm -hmm. like you said it's two or three huge companies that run pretty much everything so Unfortunately, that's the way it is, at least in America. Yeah, I think we have a bit more of a uh, variety over here, but it's the same. It's all international connected, you know. But once, uh, especially with creative projects, Hollywood's the best example of something that's just went completely stale because 
same people, they pass each other around, there's nothing fresh or new coming in. So my whole thing is, let's get as many people out there creating, not be snobby about it, you know what I mean? Nobody's going to write a masterpiece their first time. But I don't believe in... I think if somebody understands or they're, they're not going to make it or they don't have it, they'll come to that realization themselves. They don't need somebody stamping them down. Oh, true. I mean, support is a huge thing. Um, there is uh, criticism and destroying someone. There's two different things. Criticism is uh, you see something and you could see the, the beauty in it. You could see the potential in it and you want to hone it and maybe take advice, maybe not, um, and try to make it better. Uh, whereas to rip something apart, I mean, that's not, it's just nasty, you know, it's, um, and the same people that would do that don't like it being done to them, you know, maybe the first complaint. Um, and it's, I mean, everyone has a story to tell, uh, whether it's, you know, actively writing, telling stories, uh, making music, drawing a picture. I mean, everyone has a story to tell and everyone has the right to have their, their voice, uh, seen, heard or shown. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, with that there, have, have you found the sort of online, I know there's uh, like any sort of group of humans, there's always people gel together more than others, but have you found the whole online experience supportive? Have you come across any antagonism, unnecessarily so, or things have been taken the wrong way? How's your experience been with all that? Um, for me, pretty good. I mean, I'm in a different couple of writers groups online, Facebook and you know, Instagram and, and all that stuff. Um, mostly it's all supportive. Um, some of it is just to push your content out there, but uh, the ones that, and, and which have its place and it's great, you know, uh, hopefully to get your name out there. Uh, but a lot of it is writers supporting writers um, or readers supporting writers. And, um, you know, a lot, lots of great advice out there, lots of support. There have been there 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 is a lot of people you know kind of like how Twitter's kind of toxic and poisonous you know someone will post something out there and it might not be someone's cup of tea or they might be an inexperienced writer just trying to learn the craft and they get ripped apart and um, uh, luckily the, the moderators uh, for the the web pages usually shut that stuff down pretty quickly but sometimes you see the thread and it goes long 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 and um, you know hopefully uh, the that writer doesn't get beaten down or doesn't get discouraged. For me, if it was me, um, I'd rather be hated uh, than said that my work is boring. So if they rip me apart, I don't think, uh, maybe if everyone ripped me apart, if I got you know zero good reviews and all that. Yeah, reviews, but it was consistent across the line. This is bad, this is yeah. bad. You'd, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking about, the self-realization. You'd start thinking, hmm, maybe not. But I'd rather have like five and four stars and mix in with one and two stars, but the three stars, that's where I don't want. I don't want to be born. Yeah, but you're never going to be all things to all people. That's another thing I think people need to realize, especially in the horror genre. And plus, um, you're if I'm correct, your main focus is on paranormal. For the so most part, it's kind of mixed. But yeah, I would say more paranormal. It's not. Um, uh, I mean, they have, they have their place in the world. Vampire books, werewolf books, zombie books. Uh, they definitely have their place in the world and. A lot of it has great material, but I think it's for me it's been done to death. Uh, so I wanted to go to the, on a different angle. But if so you have a paranormal. if you have a real purveyor of vampire books, you're not going to read a paranormal one. Generally, you know what I mean. So even in the horror genre, because it, this is such a wide spanning, and I've said this before, that's why I love this genre because within this, there's so much out there. And there's so much as a writer. There's so much um, liberation in it because you, you're not limited to. So let's say you're writing historical historical fiction. 
which I, I dabble in as well, you're limited on history of it. So mm-hmm. you can't go outside the history. If it's historically inaccurate, the story's not going to work. But with horror, there's so much uh, freedom as a writer. Um, you could go in any direction. You're, you're never wrong. Um, it, whether it's interesting or not, that's, you know, that's up to the, the reader. But there's so much you could do with it. Uh, and, and, you know, even though I said the vampire books have been done to death, my book is, slight, is inspired by a vampire book. It's in, inspired by, one of the inspirations is by a, but it's the same as um, cooking. Um, all the ingredients are the same. You know what I mean? A pepper is a pepper, an onion's an onion. But it's what you do with it creates a dish. And that's why you have so many fusion cuisines because some people get inspired yeah. by Asian cuisine. They'll, they'll mix it with French and then you have something else. You know, they'll, they'll put a twist on it. It's the same with uh, writing or creativity. Music, there's only so many chords, there's only so many notes, so many scales. Um, but it's in, I mean, the... the it's endless the, the you know the uh, the possibilities are endless and a riff like, could be the same or a you know what i mean um a scale or a few bars could be similar to another song but if you take that and make it your own thing it's unique to you it's unique to the world because it's never been done before yeah and that's uh, exactly the same in writing one thing though um it's just one thing that really pained me when you talked about uh being a writer of paranormal thrillers have you ever been in any paranormal groups no no not at all oh my god they take it so seriously yeah, I mean, sure. abandon all sense of humor, ye who enter here. <laughs> they are really, <laughs> really bad. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, you know, if they, if they read my book, what their take would be, because the the way the paranormal element gets into it, um, the main character, uh, I draw elements of my characters, of people in my life, either if, if I met or within myself. And to get personal, um, the... Um, his driving force um, was, you know, my biggest fear, which is mortality. So his thought of mortality is you don't go to heaven, you don't go to hell, you kind of just blink out, you go to the endless void. And that's what um, terrifies him, to be unconscious for for eternity. Uh, so he wants to prove that the paranormal is real, that gods are real, that monsters are real, mm-hmm. because that would dispel his biggest fear. So that's where the paranormal element comes in. This main character wants to prove that you know, ghosts are real because then, therefore, his um, his biggest fear would be known. God, ghosts are not the brightest. Um, I was actually watching a we're doing a review tomorrow, and I was watching a movie about ghosts, and they are not the sharpest tools in the box. I don't think I'd like to be a ghost. <laughs> it seems to be I like you get your brain ghost. taken out, churned, and you can't even basically communicate. I would love to be a ghost. You'd be floating around there. You don't, you know, you'd scare all your friends. It'd be great. But you'll be the living you'll be the living horror story. It'd be, it'd be awesome. But every ghost story or any sort of haunting movie, the ghost is always like, blah, 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 and they don't want to be a ghost, but they can't communicate how not to be a ghost anymore. Where if they just went, open that portal or read that book, it'd be done in five minutes. But usually most yeah. stories are just an hour or something of just, blah, and then eventually yeah. the the twig on what it is. It's kind of like the. Uh the difference between the Frankenstein book and the Frankenstein movie. Uh, if you remember Boris Karloff's movie, Frankenstein, he's like this, you know, yeah, um, uh, he's this lumbering uh, monster, can't talk and just groaning. Uh, but the book is much more scary to me because he's definitely an intellect, an inte- intellectual, but he's more of an abomination. And that's... I actually think, um, I love the bar, I grew up in the Boris Karloff stuff, you know, um, that was like a Saturday Night Pleasure. Um, 
all those and uh, Belly uh, Goosey. But what was it? The Curse of Frankenstein with uh, Peter Cushing. In fact, we reviewed it, um, I think, last year. And Christopher Lee playing the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen that one? Like, it actually showed... When I was a kid, I think. Uh, not it recently, showed anyway. Frankenstein, the scientist, to be such a vile human being. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just complete narcissist. And people were just objects to him. So it was nothing to him. No compunction then. The rob graves and build a creature. And even though it had sentience... He treated, you know, I mean, he treated worse than uh, an abused animal, and even Christopher Lee, the fact that he was prepared to degrade himself, and they're both, you know, I mean, these two are both high class actors, but even Christopher Lee's performance of him degrading himself as a monster, I thought was actually close to the book, even though they didn't mean it to be. You know, I mean, it was right, a hammer right. horror, so they meant it to be a hammer horror, but the way they brought uh, Frankenstein across, and the way Christopher Lee portrayed it, based, um was fantastic you know it was one of the ones that stuck with me the one the, the biggest frankenstein connotation at least on film or tv that stuck with me um it's not well known it's a series called penny dreadful oh they took yes all- with uh eva green yes and, uh, oh god he used to, uh, he used to play the, james bond james bond um not daniel day lewis no, Love uh, Daylights Dal- and Dal- Christopher Dalton. Flip's sake. How did that? I'm, I'm seriously getting more scatterbrained as I get older. But that uh, that connotation of Frankenstein, I mean, hit the mark. Uh, he was, you know, uh, mad at his own creation. Um, uh, you know, an abomination uh, thrown into a world of class and high society. Just, you know, living in the gutter, living in the shadows, and mad at his creator and at the world of his own ex- existence and i forget the actor's name i've seen him around he's one of his character actors he did yeah oh, i'm terrible with honestly i'm awful with names and that's why i'm not a sports fan because he trying to remember an entire team's name <laughs> and then yeah. then they're going to change it like the next season i'm like i just remembered all those stop it <laughs> yeah you have to study i mean yeah you, being a sports fan yeah it takes a lot yeah, of it takes no i'm I, I keep characters' names in my head. Even then, um, I'll get them mixed up. You know, if it hasn't been something I've read currently, like it goes out of my head. Yeah, that's and that's the tough thing as a writer is you you have it in your head, so you know the characters' names and you know the storyline, but you have to also take in um, uh, relation that you don't you don't let the readers gonna retain everything that you you have you have down or are gonna follow it. So I try not to have too many characters in my books uh, because I want the reader to fall in love with the few that I introduce. But you have to tell the story and there's side characters and everything. So you don't want to confuse them, um, but you, you don't want to bore them. So it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard to get. Um, that's why beta, beta readers are really uh, beneficial. Yeah. Um, how do you go about naming characters? I, I know we had certain questions, but I'm just fascinated. I hate naming, I hate I, naming yeah, characters. I, it's um, hard. Uh, yeah, the, the two main characters in my book were easy. I, I used them from inspirations. So, um, like I said, it was based off a vampire book, um, Dracula. Mm-hmm. So, my one of my characters' name is um, Thomas Bram, and the last name Bram for Bram Stoker. Mm-hmm. And the other guy's name is John Doyle, and I took that from uh, Arthur Conan Doyle from um, Sherlock yeah, Holmes. It's kind of a mesh of genres. So, it's a mystery, but it's also a horror. So... I use those in other names. Uh, a lot of times I change them because it, it doesn't sound right. Yeah, it gets uh, difficult. Like I said, when I sort of get the new character, I'm like, oh no, not again. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, Dad is Brookie. I mean, that, no, that doesn't sound good. 
I remember random stuff from like 20 years ago or some obscure fact. But um, if I haven't been talking to somebody like constantly, I'm like, oh, what's your name again? <laughs> or um, when you asked me about um, when we were talking about the story you're going to feature, and I read it and like got really into it, and I couldn't remember the mother's name, but I'm like, you know the one where the mother's doing this and blah blah blah. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so nickel. And I didn't have my computer, so I couldn't call it up. <laughs> I was I was answering yeah, you on yeah. my phone. I'm like, oh my, god, I'm going to sound like a complete plank here because. I only finished this last week, and I can't remember her name, and <laughs> and I can't I remember the other guy's name who was the main character, and I can't remember the daughter's name who was the main character. But I was really invested, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to sound like I don't care, <laughs> but that's how bad I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it it is tough. So it's uh, it's tough as a writer and tough as a reader. Um, in my field, one of the the tips I have, at least for me, I I just I'm aware of people's names. So if I hear a name. It might feel like I come across a lot, a lot of people's names. If I hear a name that stands out, I won't use the whole name, but maybe like the last name. Like, oh, that's a cool last name. I'm going to... That's, that's going in the bank. I'm going to pull that out yeah. later. I'll use it later. So sometimes I do that as well. Uh, I'll talk about that. So how important is it that people collaborate with each other? Because we've talked about being supportive and uh, how can I either make or break, especially somebody starting out. But... How important is it to actually work together? Because sometimes you can see, like you mentioned, like that horrible platform, Twitter, I hate it. We're on it and I just post it and I don't even, I can even dream of clicking on it or following too many people because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But how important is it to actually collaborate and not make yourself an island and reach out in whatever capacity possible? I think it's very important. I mean, this is a global world and, you know, People are social animals and we're all interconnected. Um, I guess if you're this brilliant starving artist, you probably can make it work on your own. Uh, but it's, you, or you could be lost. You could be, you know, um, you could have this brilliant work out there that's never going to be heard because you, you know, you're reclusive. Uh, so I think that collaboration is, and networking is, it's not something that I'm strong in because I'm an awkward dude and <laughs> I don't make friends easily, but I do make friends that make close friends. Um, but I think it's very important. Um, so, I mean, online is, is you know, has a wealth of people um, who are out there who are looking to support and looking to be supportive. Um, and and to work, you know, at least uh, where I am now with my uh, publisher, uh, you know, I have to collaborate with them, w- whether it be for um, the outlook of the book. So when I first came out with the book, uh, you know, I had the, my masterpiece and we're going over the contract and she's like oh by the way uh it's too long we have to split the book in two i'm like so you know but are you, you not know, going like result there's, there's two books there's two books but yeah. now i have to like oh my god i have to come up with like an ending um or and now a new beginning for the other book and my mind's spinning so it's not once you start working with people um it's not just your animal so you have to either decide I'm going to do this all on my own and screw them. I'm going to have my own vision or you're going to collaborate people and take other pe- people's input. And, you know, you could reject some, which I've had. Um, there's some suggestions that like mm, didn't work, but she made a good point. Uh, the publisher made a very good point with the book being too long. It would have been like 550 pages um, mm. in print and being a new artist uh, and this, this setting the sale price um, to look at financially would have drawn away a lot of new readers or reader, all the readers you need to make. It's not funny so how that, people uh, are terrified of trying something new. 
It's yeah. So yeah, some if, people like, new food they won't try. I, I I eat weird food and bring it to work and like. God, I, I, I love see if someone has tentacles and is winking at you and stuff. I'm having a go at it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to be the one to back down. If it's, in the, if it's in the sea, I'll eat it. Oh, I love seafood. <laughs> um, fantastic. But people will go and spend ten or twenty bucks in Starbucks or Bass Super Duper Coffee, but they won't spend two dollars on a book. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, a lot of times if they will spend money on the book. They'll uh, they'll go in their wheelhouse. They'll it's kind of like ordering the same thing in a restaurant. You, you go to your favorite restaurant, you, you see that meal, and you get the same meal every time. And I, I think a lot of people do that with their books or movies. They you know I, I just want to do a superhero thing, or I just want to do a horror thing, or I just read westerns. They don't expand to other genres, uh, which I think it's I mean it's it's, it's a shame because I don't have a favorite genre. I mean I don't even know if I'm definitely just a horror writer i love horror and this is why i tend to gravitate towards dark writing uh but to me it's, it's telling a story so whether it's the story is a horror story a western story erotica story as long as the story is good and interesting i think everyone should keep an open mind so it might be something worth um what is horror to you what what's your definition of horror what do you see horror as I think it's wide. Uh, you could go through the slasher horror where, you know, the, the Freddy Kruegers and the, the Jason uh, Voorhees out there. Um, for me, uh, my favorite kind of horror is the cerebral horror. The ones that, uh, n- not necessarily the monster that's going to rip your guts out, out but the monsters that are going to infect you in the mind. Um, to change the way you think. Uh, to uh, For you to go to bed at night. So are you like Invasion constantly. of the Body Snatchers or They Live? I love those, but I also love um, what got in my head a lot was um, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, we, we talked about not that. necessarily like this monster movie, and the mean there were monsters in it, but the concept was almost like Frankenstein. Like in Frankenstein, um, the book uh, messed me up inside. That messed me up, up inside uh, one, one of the uh, in the best ways. Uh, just that thought of you know. Being an abomination and being abhorred by the whole world and being isolated, and then your reaction of your revenge. And Pet Cemetery was almost the same way. You know, the uh, the dead bodies would get buried, they would be reborn, but they're mad. They come back angry. Um, but Pet Cemetery did it in, in, in a decent way because it it struck home more uh, because it. Uh, you know, you had that loved one who who couldn't say goodbye, so they would do anything to uh, bring back their loved one, uh, even even though they come back as this abomination. Yeah, and so the, it, was a, it was it was one of them. you could see that. Um, but also, I think um, we talked sort of talking about Pat Sematary again. Just uh, the fact that it was the Wendigo, the Wendigos want the corrupt. It's trying to engineer events. Now, the fir- the original movie that didn't come across too well, but in the remake, they made a bit more of an effort that. The Wendigo was actually trying to pull the strings to make events happen. Right. And you could see yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't see the remake. I honestly didn't see the remake, only the original. I read the book, of course. Yeah, and, well, um, the, the book is really, really first... good at uh, actually talking about, you know, the Wendigo actually trying to manipulate events and pull the strings and get, you know, getting Chud to actually, you know, I don't know why I told you about that when he'd already been through the experience. But yeah. he got that little nudge, like you're talking about, in the back of his head. Say it, say it. Suggest that, and then you know, it sticks with you and it affects your brain. And when you go to sleep at night, it's there and it keeps you up. And that's, uh, as a horror writer, that's, I think that's um, my goal. My goal is someone to read my book, 
or a story and can't get that concept out of their brain and it scares them and frightens them a little bit where they're thinking about it, trying to go to sleep, but it keeps them up at night. And uh, that's the goal. So if you just find yourself maybe uh, start, you've got a story idea in your head. Are you thinking, I'm going to write a horror story or does the idea just take shape and then you find yourself going down the dark path where it's like, whoa, <laughs> this, is, this has to go into horror because I can't step back from this because nobody outside that genre, nobody's going to read it. They'll just, they'll have fits. Yeah, for me, I, I, I think I, I write that way where, I mean, a, a story is a is organic. It's a leaving, living and breathing thing. So you write it down and you might have something in your mind where you want to go, what this piece is going to be, but it goes in its own direction. So for me, yes, it was much like that. I had some characters in mind, a, a, a central story in mind, but it went down a dark path. So once you start kicking up the dirt, you see what things start crawling out. It's just funny as well, because... Um... I think I've become almost blasé and I forget sometimes, especially when I'm talking to people like yourself and in the sort of horror genre, that there are normies out there and they are absolutely horrified by what we talk about or what we joke about or what we just find is, yeah, that okay, that 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 cutting up scene, but we cut his bowels, it wasn't quite done right, you know what I mean? I've read worse where they'd be like, oh, what's wrong with you? Have you, have you ever encountered that? They're not as cool as us. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we were all into different things, and some people might, you know, be like that in the surface, but deep down, they may be like, you know, that was pretty. That was pretty badass. I like that. So, you're like, come to us. <laughs> Welcome we'll get aboard. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it's just really important that you explore that side of yourself. It's about being a, being a balanced person. Um, too many people try to be good and virtuous and that we see it online all the time the ones that profess so much to be good are doing the worst they're the worst bullies they're the most like heinous people there they'd yeah. quite happily see somebody left out in the streets homeless or dead you know what i mean they just don't care but they think they're a good person because they're so terrified of that darkness where at least in the horror world because we embrace that i think you get a, a better person and a more interesting person that's been yeah and you have to be honest and also i mean you can't for me, it's not a black and white world. Uh, it's not just just good, just bad, especially my characters. My characters aren't just good and just bad because it mimics, uh, I mean, art um, mimics uh, uh, life and life should mimic art. Uh, so my characters aren't black and white and the world isn't black and white. So, you know, my, my protagonist, he might be a good, sort of a good guy, but he's also, he's an asshole too. Um, so just like politics, you know, people preach, you know, um, you know, I'm this uh, squeaky clean guy and they're, they're the guy, you know, getting arrested. Yeah, the ones that profess the most are like, <laughs> they're not the naughty stuff. It's like, come on. And it, when, once they profess like that, you know, it's it's almost fun to watch them fall. Yeah. That's just... if you, you know, if you take the human aspect, I mean, in the families and everything, but if you take the human aspect of it, you know, the people who preach in are self-righteous, you know, once they fall, it's like, well, you're human too. What is it about human nature that everyone must either have a dichotomy or throw things into a small box like you've you've touched on a horror it's like right it must be this type of horror must be that type of horror and there you cross the streams you know what i mean because the whole world's going to implode or if something doesn't fit into somebody's little box like paying two bucks for a book or five dollars for a book where it's still less than a coffee and a muffin and most high street uh restaurants or coffee shops we're not asking for a kidney <laughs> you know what I mean? it's not like no. somebody's here 
this will cost one of your limbs and you'll be rapidly damaged. What is it that, um, because this is actually more basic, I think, than you talking about being afraid of your mortality. I'm afraid of failure. You know, that's my biggest thing of just completely humiliating myself with just being that terrible at something. Um, to me, there are big things, but somebody being afraid to read a book or watch a movie and not like it as if their world's going to come to the end. Where, where do you think that stems from? I don't know. I guess, I mean, maybe time investment, but you know, you go, if you could, you could always start a book and it'd be terrible um, and not finish it. I'm not one of those guys, even if it's a bad book, I have to finish it. Same thing with the movie. I usually finish it. I usually don't walk out, but I guess people don't want to waste their time, but that's not a scary thing. Um, even if you hate something, you didn't waste your time. You know what you don't like. Yeah. And that's, that's actually, um, I try to say to people, um, and the answer no is as important as the answer yes. So the answer of no, I don't like this, at least you know where you stand. No, I didn't enjoy this. No, that tastes awful. You know, no, that's not a good experience. They are, if not more important than, yes, I do like this. I I just don't get where the fear comes from. And I think the culture is changing too. Um, we are very uh, becoming an impatient, clickbait culture. Whereas before, uh, if you look at the music industry, you would buy a vinyl LP and you put it on the needle and you listen to the album, you know, from first song to last song, flip the side, listen to the second side. Now, I mean, albums aren't even a thing. I mean, bands are releasing albums, but people only listen to like a snippet or like one song at a time. They won't listen to the whole concept. So I think with books, it's almost the same way. Um, you can't, you know, do it the same way and pick out like a track of, of a CD or of an album and just listen to a snippet. A book, you have to read the whole thing. And I think the culture, unfortunately, is going away from that. Um, I mean, and I, I love, uh, you know, uh, putting music in my iPhone and listening to snippets at the time. But when I come home, I put on a, a record and listen to the whole album because that's, that's the artist's whole concept. Mm-hmm. Um, that is their art. So I wanted to see the whole picture and not just a glimpse. I've actually done bit. I love albums myself, and um, I just recently bought um, a cassette tape. You know what I mean? Because it was a 40th anniversary number of the base. So I actually found myself sticking a cassette tape in. That's an emotional experience because flip sake, those things were horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were useful, but they were also horrible at the same time. Uh, even the sound quality here, like oh my god, that I actually used to enjoy that. Yeah, though I grew up on Walkman, so yeah. yeah I um, love it. A thing I've found though is rather than the tracks, if you put the tracks together or you download the MP. Now, I don't. Uh, I'm a strong advocate against piracy. I hate piracy, but if you've bought the track, then download the the full album and actually have that on your iPod or your MP3 player or wherever it is, so that when you skip that track, it's playing the whole album. So you're forced then to have the whole experience as opposed to mixing up the tracks and like I'm bad for shuffle and I find myself losing like I I love music um but I find myself losing my way with the advent of digital media because you do you just put thousands of tracks in you skip and sometimes you can barely recognize the artist because you just it all just gets jumbled up yeah it's almost uh, background noise rather than you know hearing the the blood the sweat the tears of what into making that album. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, I think books are the same way, but you can't do that with books. Like you can now with MP3. No, you so have I think that's it. going back to your original question. That's probably why people are afraid to pick up that book or to read a story. Um, 
because the culture has shifted and uh you know there's not a lot of old guys like me <laughs> remember the old times of uh lps or or audio tapes when you when you're forced to listen to the whole thing but i think it was beneficial too because you you get that vision from the artist and uh if you just get the snippet it, it's gonna get lost yeah, well, one thing we try and provide here is the snippet so that it tries to encourage people who maybe haven't heard of a, an artist. That's one thing we try and do in this show is for 10, 15 minutes, you can delve into the story, even if it's the first chapter or a part in the book that doesn't spoil it, obviously, but at least these people have the chance to experience the story and then make a decision from there to try and uh, then purchase. So I hope at least we can help out in some way. That's that's where the concept yeah. of this yeah, yeah i mean it's like, but a trailer is, is is a great thing you, you're not going to dive into a whole book uh especially if you, if you don't know the artist at all if you have a favorite artist you, you obviously you have a following but if you don't if the artist is new yeah without hearing a piece of it you're not going to know uh, or want to dive in and make that time investment for the whole thing so yeah that, that, it definitely has its importance yeah it's just like this is constantly evolving and changing and back to what i was saying about collaboration just working together try and just get i'd rather have more voices out there and differing voices than less because that's how you enrich your life and even if you don't like something or you don't agree with it or it's maybe not necessarily a cup of tea but it might be written or it might be put forward in a way that pique your interest and mm -hmm. if something piques your interest then you look into it and you don't know where it might when a curious a curious mind can go so many different places you know and that's one thing i like to try and foster people uh, and it, it, it gives you a better understanding of the world, even though a piece might be different um, and foreign to you. Uh, it, you might learn, learn more about someone else's culture or, or their point of view, which is even uh, uh, both of those things are essential in life, I think, in, at least in my life. Yeah. So to learn more about people who are different than you, uh, who have a different culture than you or have a different point of view, even if you don't agree with it, don't like it, um, you still are opening your, up the eyes that they're there's you know the world is different the world is huge and the world needs to be seen yeah i don't think people understand why somebody comes to a conclusion they just go that's not me i hate you i want to destroy you and that's we've got right down to like back uh as if we're crawling out of caves with clubs that's not my tribe bash you know what i mean it's almost yeah, like we've devolved but there's yeah, obviously a reason five years yeah there's a reason why somebody ends up with their values or what to think about and actually stories are the they're the basic way of communicating yeah storytelling yeah, because, is the basics of humanity yeah i mean some of the you know the best people in the world are storytellers my favorite president in the united states i mean he's my favorite president for many reasons but um lincoln he was the greatest storyteller he just liked uh you know inviting people in the oval office and just talking and telling stories and you know, that's uh, how you learn about each other and how you learn about the world. One thing I do have hope for, though, is I've seen, um, I like reaction videos, uh, if it's particularly music or an artist. It's nice to know somebody else is out there. But what I'm seeing lately are a lot of, like, really young people. Like, you're talking 18 and younger. You're actually going back to, like, old school sort of music and mm, discovering yeah. it for the first time. And then they're discovering the pleasure of picking up an album or going to a concert and this is like groundbreaking to them yeah so i think is we're going it, to come full circle so i don't think I hope so. it's not ready to throw in the towel everything's cyclical 
I think maybe the generation before us are the ones that are kind of trapped because they I grew up pre-internet I remember my first mobile phone it was a brick dawn size and it took yeah, 12 yeah. hours to charge and you made one phone call and you had to stick it back at the charger I had a rotary phone back before that oh I yeah that's that was our first phone in the house rotary dial and uh and then the swanky ones come out with buttons and you thought you were really cool. And then if you got one in your own room, flip, you were rich, you know what I mean? That was <laughs> that was you moving up in the world. Um, but things have progressed. But I think the people that have grown up, always known the digital age and not knowing anything else are the ones that are kind of lost. But the younger ones are actually discovering this stuff now for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going back, I mean, I really grew up on vinyl records uh, when I was younger. Uh, that's when the audio cassettes came out. So that's what I grew up on. But rediscovering the vinyl records, for me, I went back, you know, as an adult. And that's mm -hmm. primarily what I listen to now. Uh, so if people could not only uh, uh, reintroduce old platforms, but old concepts, like reading a whole book or listening to the whole album, I, if that makes a comeback, I think that would benefit, you know, benefit everyone yeah and another reason why not to stop creating yeah because you it's don't not know. A back to yeah. back to what you mentioned really good point about this instant gratification that people expect you know the click culture of oh i'll click now it arrives in my door 24 hours later or it downloads instantly you know that's only going to last so long because even now people are not being fulfilled by it because it's a temporary thing where now we've got I think a resurgence and I hope it's going to continue with the a couple of generations down the line. Like I said, the kids now coming up are discovering this and they're discovering the joy of opening something in the tactile, you know, opening the album, seeing the artwork, having to wait. Reading the liner notes and the lyrics and everything. Yeah, you had a piece of art. You had the whole package that you said. You had a piece of art in front of you. Not only the music, but everything that went into making that album. The artwork, the the liner notes sometimes had stories in, in them. It, it, yeah, that I remember going home from a record store and ripping up, you know, the the elastic off, off and putting on the album, just sitting back and just holding that in my hands. And yeah, it was uh, it was nice. It was, it was, it, Another thing to talk about is yeah. how important then is. Uh, I know we're kind of going a wee bit over. Are you okay for? I know we we'll set aside Norby. You okay to riff for a bit? Are you yeah, still yeah, okay? Yeah. Yep, I'm not. Yep. <laughs> like I said. Um, Everyone to start, and I think people are starting to get the hang of this now. We'll start off like a, this. It won't be just a paint by numbers, ask questions for a month. Let's just get a conversation going, enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. To be Absolutely. Honest, yeah. If even if people out there are having a good time, I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so am I. So. <laughs> well, that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? If we're having Absolutely. a good time, you can too. Um, so we're going, yeah, back to books. Um, people have kind of steered away from physical books, so they're not. Um, and I mean, I mean writers as well. So we're not thinking about paragraphs or formatting the paragraphs anymore or the artwork or inside. How important is it to still have that focus? So you can uh, make your book more interesting by the way you layered your paragraphs. Um, I love authors that have a specific glyph for their chapter numbers and have yeah, a theme and it goes all the way through. To me, that puts that artist's, you know, author's signature on the book. I don't have um when i write uh, something said in mind but but saying that uh, you gotta have a chef make the most delicious meal and you know it's um it it hits every sense and and your tongue explodes when the food hits your mouth 
But if it's served on the garbage pan lid, you know, it's not gonna be appealing. So, I mean, something that's visually appealing is um, going to help not only the story, but help the whole package itself. So yes, all the artwork going into the book, the cover, uh, the format, I think is important because if it looks like slop, even though the content might be brilliant, it looks like slop, it's not gonna, it's not going to be enjoyable. It's not going to be aesthetically pleasing. So it has to be aesthetically pleasing as well as um, nourishing the brain. That's, you know, yeah, you it's, a, it's, cool. it's like a meal. It's, it is a whole experience because like you're saying, you put time aside. A book is a commitment. Right. And some people are demon readers and they can, I used to be, and I'm getting slower, which is sad, but uh, some people can put a book away in a day or two. Uh, depending on it and just keep going some people uh it'll take them a week to read a book so you're committing a certain amount of time it has to be an enjoyable experience and if you're finding it hard work even if it's a good story but everything's all crushed together or um it doesn't take you into the story because i think sometimes a chapter heading can take in that little world and then you naturally break in the next one you know and uh some authors do it really well others don't you know it's it's an art form as much as the, the actual story. Yeah. yeah, my my all my chapters uh, have uh, chapter titles, and I usually don't um, pick the title until after I've written the chapter because I want to make it very poignant and uh, sometimes have uh, you know double meanings. Uh, so that in itself, like you said, is an art form and can be very uh, constructive in telling the story as well. So, like you said, it's the whole package. So if 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 it's all jumbled and uh, you have one chapter that's one paragraph, uh, even though it might be written well, it's not going to come across well. So, uh, yeah, when, when, when I want um, someone reading my book, if someone lucky enough to someone buy my book and read it, I want them to enjoy the whole experience from uh, first page to last. Fantastic. And um, would you just remind everybody again what you've got currently uh, coming up? What's your latest projects? Sure. Uh, right now, um, I have short stories out there, but the biggest project that we're talking about is uh, my uh, novel, The Prisoner of Fear, uh, which is a horror-based uh, mystery uh, coming out. It's due out around October 1st of this year. And following that, it's uh, its sequel, uh, Paroxysm of Fear, of Fear, will probably come out about two months later. Fantastic. And we're going to be featured, I think it's the 22nd, we have got um, Horror Free Tales coming out. So, folks, if you want to get on board, get a sneak preview, get an idea of what the story's about. Um, please tune in for that episode. It'll be... What is the... God, this is where I... I think you said the 20th. It's a, yeah, whatever the Friday. Friday. Yeah, the Friday the 22nd, yeah. Okay. And you, uh, you, I, give you a couple, I give you a couple of excerpts and I think you put the creepiest one, so it should be good. Yeah, uh, like I said, when I was held back, I was like, oh my God, I can't remember the character's name, but it was really... Um, like, I got really on board and hopefully... Um, Hopefully we'll do a good result. So, folks, please make sure you check that out. Um, check the episode uh, link descriptions because uh, all chat stuff there. And then if you've just created a website, what we'll do is we'll add that as well. So if you drop that over to yep. me. Yeah, it's uh, chadmiller.author.com. But, yeah, if you drop the link to, yep. yeah. We'll add that to the descriptions. I, 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 all the links to everything that I had out there. And just finally, to, uh, just to finish it off, what advice would you give to somebody starting out? Uh, as a writer, uh, just write. Uh, it's easy to get discouraged, and uh, from my own experience, when I begin a new chapter, it's 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 hard. Once I get in the flow, I'm good. But to change paces and begin a new chapter, it's like pulling teeth, and it's like oh, I don't feel like starting. 
but just if you have an idea or you have a passion, just, just plug through, uh, take criticism, um, but don't let it beat you down either. Uh, because there are a lot of people who just want to destroy you or feel, make them feel, feel better just by putting you down. But, you know, there's all well, people in all walks of life, some, some, some uh, jerks and some not. So take the support where you can, take the criticism where you can. Um, but, you know, don't let the, uh, the toxicity of some people uh, to drive you away from your craft, from your art. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Chad, thank you very much for being here. Um, like I said, check out the episode's uh, description. Um, keep up with Chad and his work. Uh, we'll update that with the new website as well. Um, also, don't forget, like, subscribe so you can see other segments. And uh, until next time, keep it creepy, keep it horrific.